0: Get knowledge that will change our lives, in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines over the last couple of Sundays, and will be for uh, through the summer. Uh, weeks, uh, and uh, spiritual disciplines, talking about the ideas of, I I think Paul puts it best as the putting off and putting on. In other words, spiritual disciplines is talking about the things we do to strengthen our walk with Christ, to draw close to the Lord, Uh, and so we've been looking at different aspects of that, and we, we realize that this is something that we do on an individual basis, but we also do it collectively together. And so this idea of putting off and putting on, you can look in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3 where Paul says the idea of putting off the things, basically putting off the things of the world and putting on the things of Christ. And, and the idea of the disciplines is that there are certain things that, that, that God has shown us in His Word that we can do that will assist us in drawing close to Him. And being able to rest in Him, being able to find strength in Him. And I think uh, all too often uh, I find myself uh, kind of focused more in generalities rather than specifics. And, and, and so this morning, uh, the thing that we'll be looking at very specifically is prayer. And it takes us back even to uh, Levi's message on, on Psalm uh, chapter 1 deal, uh, where he dealt with that in his message in grace. And, and uh, it was interesting that, that uh, B.J. last week brought Psalm 1 up again. And I can't help but bring it to a point where we would think of it again today, that we're not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. We're not to stand in the path of the sinners. We're not to sit in the counsel uh, of, the, of, the, of the world, basically. And, and instead, God wants us to be like trees that are planted by streams of water that are nourished. And by the way, that picture of streams there is, is something that's not natural but that God that is put together specifically to nourish the, the trees that God puts there. So it's, it's as if God has created this place. And of course, I think of it as the, the living water nourishing us that it will flow through us to nourish others. And he says, then our fruit will, will, will yield in its season. And everything we do will prosper. And the reason why everything we'll do will prosper is because we're doing it within His purpose. We're not doing it with the counsel of the world. We're not doing it with the the idea of what the world would do, but we're doing it with the counsel of the Lord. And so the idea of resting in His grace, we we can't do anything until we rest in His grace. Until we are saved. Until we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and then the idea is to, as to where do we turn to to glean the things that we need to walk from, and I, I think B.J. did a powerful job last week in the sense of, of having us see and understand that it's the Word of God, the breathed of God's, you know, the breath of God, His Word, His Living Word. And God breathed is what I was trying to say. You know, God breathed word. And we recognize that we can depend on it first above all all else. And everything that we understand of God, hear of God, think of God, we are to bring to his word as the final authority to assess it, understand it. And this is important to understand too because at the time that Paul was writing to some of these churches, they were going through or just starting to go through a a time of of growing false teachings uh, about Christ and about different things. Uh, In fact, Paul in Galatians talks about a, a different gospel than the one he preached. And he says, if it's not Jesus Christ come in the flesh, if it's not the one we preached to you initially, then no matter who comes to you and brings it to you, it's not the gospel of God. Even if an angel were to bring it to you. And I think of two religions at least in the world today since the time of Christ who have claimed angels have brought them revelation outside of the Word of God. One is is the Islam and the other one is uh, the Mormons. And and somebody says, do you think angels really did that? If they were really angels, they weren't angels of God. Uh, You know, and, and so... This idea of even if an angel brings you a different gospel, take it to this, the Word of God, and measure it. So as we rest in His grace, as we come to His Word, the next thing we're going to look at today is prayer. And we want to have His counsel. We want to walk in His way. We want to sit in His his, uh, chair, so to speak, to understand the idea of prayer. What the world Says about things versus what God says about things. Um, I, I was just trying to have, figure out how to put this together. You know, is it's the idea of discipline? You know, is remembering that, that this is something that God is that God uses. To to build us, to strengthen us, and the word is appropriate to discipline, to disciple, to discipline us. And I, I don't want to. I wanted to make sure as I was going through this that we don't take that in any negative connotation, but in the most positive way that God's doing this to encourage us, build us up, and strengthen us in our walk. So as we look at prayer, uh, one of the things that, that that kept coming up over and over again as a question. Uh, and 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 something that we we strive to answer, and and I think uh, is the idea of if God, and I'm saying if, only in the way that Paul would use it. We really should say since, okay, since God is sovereign, okay. But I'm going to do it with the idea of an if then picture. If God is sovereign, then why do we need to pray? I mean, if he's sovereign and, and, and he's got all things uh, you know, figured out, he knows the, the, the end from the beginning, and, and, and he, you know, he uses words like before the foundation of the world, he put the plan of salvation together. If all of this is, is, is the case, then, then why pray? And I've already seen three people go like this, meaning it has something to do with us. And, and uh, I was thinking, you know, one of the things, and I, I was reading an article by R.C. Sproul, and he said prayer is for God's glory and our benefit in that order. God is to be glorified and it becomes something that will ultimately benefit us. And so again, this idea of why pray and, 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 and something that John Piper wrote Prayer has a function like that of preaching. You could say the same thing about preaching. If God is sovereign, why do we preach? God has chosen in His wisdom, by the way, His wisdom is perfect, omnipotent, all-knowing. He has chosen in His wisdom to use us as the believers in Christ, the church, to Bring about the preaching of His Word that people will hear it and come to know Him. According to uh, Romans chapter uh, 10, that, you know, we come to the Lord by hearing the Word of God. How do we, we hear the Word of the God? By the preaching of the Word of God. Okay, And prayer is, is a parallel to this in the sense that God has called us to pray as well as to preach. And He uses it in a way as to have a relationship with us. To be in communion with Him. To be able to have us come to know who He is. He already knows who we are. He knows us better than we know ourselves. I, I, I was going to try to pick. Uh, I'll pick on you, Alan. How many hairs on your head? Count your chin and your mustache too. I don't know. Uh, no, how many hairs on your head? Yeah, and and he, we already all know the answer. We don't know. He doesn't know. I don't know how many hairs on my head. But God does. And not only mine, but everyone in this room. Not only everyone in this room. All people, period. He knows the stars by name. And we know thanks to, to these things that we send out into space, and that's the end of my technology, uh, you know, that they take pictures and they come back and show us that there's a lot of stars out there. Yeah. He created them and He knows them by name. He knows each of us by name. He's known us before the foundation of the world. David says He knew us in the womb. I mean, you talk about someone who knows us. Okay, So when we're coming to, to prayer, we come to worship Him. We come to acknowledge Him. We come to uh, you know fellowship with Him. I think of the song. We come to 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 walk in the garden and tarry there a while with Him. So the obvious prayer that we would look at would be the model prayer found in Matthew chapter six, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, uh, I think it's. Uh, Arthur Pink that says it should be called the disciples' prayer because it's them who asked, how do we pray? And, and Jesus taught them, this is how we pray. So we pick up in verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for the many words. Do not be like them, before, uh, be, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you're using the English Standard Version, you'll find a footnote and it's down at the bottom. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I, I, you know, precursor this with the idea this is a model prayer. Is there anything wrong with saying it often, just the way it is? No. Is it necessary to say it just the way it is all the time? No, it's a model. It's to show us the things that, that, that God is, is, is allowed, says that we can bring to Him in prayer. Is this everything about prayer? No. Okay, make sure you, you have that. But still within the framework of this, we see like in verse 9, the acknowledging of His sovereignty that He is to be worshipped. Hallowed be Thy name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In other words, it's His kingdom that we're calling for. And we're asking for His will to be accomplished. Now, that automatically is in direct conflict with my nature. I am asking for something other than my desires to be accomplished here. Although, as we draw to the Lord in prayer as we grow in the Lord, as we walk with the Lord more and more, this becomes less my issue as I see His will and desire it more. But we want His will to be accomplished. He does tell us to give us, uh, to call for Him to give us our daily bread. And I was thinking that I believe this is literal, but I also believe it's spiritual in the sense of of His Word especially, and then to forgive us. And I do have to say the other part because it's there. As we forgive others, we are called to forgive because God has forgiven us. And he goes on in verses 14 and 15 to talk more about that. And then finally, you know, God, don't lead us uh, into temptation, or, uh, but deliver us from evil. In other words, God, don't let evil have its way over us, but we want your kingdom, your power, your glory to rule over us. The idea is, as we look at this prayer, is that we want to be transformed. We don't want to be the people that we were before Christ came into our life, before, before we were saved, before the Holy Spirit was there. Before the Holy Spirit was there, I read the things out of the Word of God and I didn't understand them and I didn't want anything to do with them. And when people shared them with me, I ignored them or mocked them. God took an incident in my life which shows how God can just turn things around in his perfect moments, perfect time, and something that he, before the foundation of the world, there was an or, uh, what we call an ordained meeting or, you know, where, where God put this in my path. And I heard the gospel as if it were for the first time. And it was, in a sense, because it was the first time I began to understand there's something different about this than I thought there was. God starts to transform us. From the very beginning that we say, Lord, I confess you with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God, he begins to change us. In today's reading in Ephesians chapter 1, We had a you know the the verses uh, talking about that you know he chose us before the foundation of the world uh, according to the purpose of his will according to the purpose of his will again it's that idea of his sovereignty we've obtained an inheritance we're not the same people we were. Before I became a Christian, my inheritance was hell. Now my inheritance is the kingdom of God. I was far off. Scripture says, I was far off, but He has drawn me near. I love the following prayer that that comes in in Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 15. For this reason, because of what God has done in my salvation, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, he's talking to the Ephesians at this point, and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you and my prayers. And here's what he's praying. That God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom, of revelation, and the knowledge of Him. Paul is praying specifically that they will have a wisdom and an understanding, the knowledge of who God is. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, why is that necessary for enlightenment in my heart? Because my heart is dark with sin. God is now flooding it with light. It's a painful process. How long do I go through that as a believer? I'm watching Arlene this time. Until, it's, until, until we've come to the Lord. Until He returns or until we meet Him face to face Prior to that. I've 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 shared this before, but it's one of those things in prayer I you know as you're asking the Lord and you're thinking, Some of these things that are bothering me today are things that didn't bother me thirty years ago. Why are they bothering me now? It's because now God can finally get to them. And I've shared my picture before, an artichoke, the leaves of an artichoke. God pulling off the leaves of the artichoke, which are the obvious things, easy to pull off. Some of them are the rusty, crusty beginning of uh, you know, uh, and, 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 uh, of my character and then starting to get to the, the more serious things. What's the goal to get to the heart? And so we get all the leaves off. Some of them start coming off fairly easy. There's a season in your life where, yeah, it seems like you can grow and you read and you grow and you read and you go into Bible studies and everything is working. And all of a sudden, you come back to another hard spot. And it feels like you're not gaining anything. If anything, you feel like you've taken a step back. And it was one of those times where I'm saying, Lord, I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. He says, Well, now we've come. And it was, it, this is the way I heard it. He says, We've come to the heart of the matter. We're now wanting to get to your heart. But to do that, we have to get rid of all the thistles. All those little hairs. There's far more hairs than there are leaves. How do you get rid of the hairs? You scrape them out. Between the pulling of a leaf and the scraping of the hair, guess which one is more painful? And so you're sitting here as you get older and you're still wrestling with it. And you're coming to prayer with God. He's letting you know that we're finally getting to the, the things deep in your heart that need to be removed. We're still in the process, Bob. What is the process? To come to know Him. To grow in His, in the image of Christ. To, to grow in our Christ-likeness. To grow in our desire to be pleasing to God. To grow in our faith with God. There's another prayer that I wanted to share with you this morning. It's found in, in Colossians chapter 1, and it's very similar in some words, in some ways, to what we had just shared. And it starts with the 9th verse and goes through to the 14th verse. So Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Again, Paul now praying for the Colossians, just as he prayed for the Ephesians, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. The idea of filled there is to be filled and continually filled okay, with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What's the purpose that God wants us? So that we might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? He's enlightening my heart. He's scraping it clean. He's bringing light into it. Fully pleasing him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that there is without faith we can't please God. So there must be something in this context that I'm thinking that we are growing in our faith. We are fully pleasing Him. I know that that has to be that my faith in Him, my trust in Him, my belief in Him, my resting in Him must be growing for it to be completely pleasing to Him. That's the goal. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing Him with our faith and trusting in Him. And then it says, bearing fruit in every good work. I believe he's referring to the, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we would we would look at the fruit of the spirit from Galatians uh, chapter five verses 22 and 23: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Yes, I read them off. Why? Because I get them backwards, forwards, and then I stumble over them. But the idea is is that we allow these things to be growing in our lives, bearing fruit. Growing in faith, and there will be a result of this as we bear fruit in every good work, and we increase in the knowledge of God. Isn't that where we just started in verse nine? That you might be filled with the knowledge of God. Now he says that you might be increased in the knowledge of God. The reason why you see, I want you to be sure you see that is it's a cycle. In fact, I'm not originating this. The first time I heard it was from uh, Ray Steadman. He uh, was a pastor uh, down in Palo Alto in the peninsula area there of, of, of the bay. And uh, he, he was the one that was the, the, the pointed out that you know the first time I heard it, he called it the Colossian Cycle. And he says, we seek the knowledge of God as the knowledge of God comes to us, as, we, as we're beginning to be filled with it, as we pray for it and beginning to be filled with it, we, we de- desire to have spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom and understanding is, is, is the idea of the Holy Spirit in us opening our thinking so that we're no longer taking our counsel from the world, but we're taking our counsel from God and looking at it from how God wants things to happen. And that's completely different than the way I thought about things in the world. And so as we look at this, this growing in wisdom and understanding, the idea is how do we apply this knowledge? We need His wisdom, His understanding as to how to apply it. I have met people, I've shared some of the stories that I've I've had over the years, that I've met pastors who have been preaching the Word of God for a lengthy period of time. Uh, I, I'm thinking of one that I was going to Bible college with. Now, when I went to Bible college, I was going to a basic Bible college, starting with the ABCs, actually starting with kindergarten, if you will. And uh, this man that was was going, his name was also Bob, uh, had been preaching in a church for 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 twenty some years. He had his master's degree in theology. He understood Greek. He could take Greek words apart and put them back together in different ways and show me the different meanings and how it all came together. He could sit there from a Greek Bible and and translate as he went along. He was really remarkable. And And I'm trying to figure out why is he in the basics? Why isn't he getting his PhD or doing that? And he told me. He said because he had gotten his basics from a college that did not believe the way this prayer is talking. They did not, he did not believe that the Scriptures were the God-breathed Scriptures. He believed they were the legacy Scriptures resurrected with Christ in the sense that they were what was resurrected, not the bodily resurrection of Christ but a spiritual resurrection, a spiritual phenomenon going on. And and he didn't believe they were good stories of a good teacher of how to live good things. One day he's studying the Word and God opens his eyes and he realizes he's been preaching a false gospel. He starts preaching the true gospel in the church that he was in and got fired. And... In the process, he's going to Bible college and he says, I've gone back to the basics so I get it right. The idea here is that we are to have a wisdom of God through His Spirit, uh, a spiritual understanding, a spiritual wisdom. He said he had never gotten that. And as a result, he was te- what he was teaching was things about a good man, which he realized then was false. It wasn't true. Yes, Jesus is a good man, but that's not all that He was. He was a great man. He was a perfect man. He was God in the flesh. So as we bear fruit, we grow in the faith, resulting in increasing in the knowledge of God, this idea of being filled with the knowledge of His will, this growing spiritualism and understanding, growing faith, basically as less and less world and more and more God. As I was going through this, the challenge that hit me was what I, I, well first I put it, what are we praying for? You know I, I didn't I didn't personalize it. I could have done it the the way I was I, I was told you know pastors you know uh, the the way you know you know what are you praying for? And, and and you notice when pastors do that how they do it this way, and the, and and there's a reason for that. I know this is a corny pastor joke, but. The idea is, is that when you point your finger, how many are pointing back? So when we do it, we go like this. So there's none pointing back. All pointing at you. But the reality is, the reality is that I had to rephrase this and say, what am I praying for? After walking in the Lord for I don't know, since 1976, however many weeks that is, and uh, you know, and I'm thinking. It's still the same prayer. I still need to grow in the knowledge of God. I need to be filled with the knowledge of God. I still need spiritual understanding and spiritual wisdom to apply the Word of God. All the circumstances we go through as our life changes, we have new circumstances, new things, new tests of faith that we lay before the, God, before the throne of God. And, and, and in a sense, sometimes we're going back and starting, it feels like, it feels like kindergarten, uh, as we try to work through and say, okay, Lord, where is this taking me? Where is this taking us? But the thing that really got me was within the framework of my prayer is the desire of my heart really nailed to the pleasing of the Lord. And I have to to say that that isn't always the, the 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 line of my prayer. My prayers are frequently intercession, ideas of mercy, inter, you know, interceding on behalf of other people. This type of thing. But this idea of wanting to have my life and the things that God does in me and through me be pleasing first to Him. You know, as a pastor and 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 as a Christian, we can both get trapped in this idea of a pastor is expected to act a certain way, so my response to doing things is is more to your expectation rather than to my yielding. Does that make sense? And as Christians, we can find ourselves doing the same thing. There's a certain behavior that's expected of us, so we we yield that behavior, we give it, but it's not necessarily what's coming from our heart because we haven't really nailed down this, this part about why am i doing this i want to be pleasing to the lord i want my faith in god to increase people said be careful as you're praying for patience because god will give you situations that you need you know that's those things are going to come no matter what okay and i need to grow in my faith Like I said, my my tendency is to be more mercy and need-oriented and and less focused on God's glory. And there needs to be, and I I see it in the Lord's Prayer, there is kind of a balance of all of that. I guess I, I can come back to this idea that my desire... For us, is that we would be a forest planted by a stream of water, being nourished by God, yielding our fruit according to its season, and achieving the purpose of God, and therefore succeeding in all the things that we do. In other words, because we're yielding to God. Trees planted by streams. I come back to that psalm. Let's, let's, let's go back and look at, at, at Psalm uh, chapter 1. Or psalm 1. Blessed is the man. First off, the idea of being in, in, you know, in, in joy and happiness with what God is doing in us. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. By the way, this is progressive. If you listen to the counsel of the world, you are going to stand in the way of sinners. You're going to be in their path with them. And if you, you're in their path long enough, you're going to sit in the same seats that mock God. And so, keep that as, as the thought. You know, walk not in the counsel of the wicked. Start right there and, and exit out. Don't look to the world for your answers. And it's amazing how many things I look to the world in my own ingenuity in the sense of day to day. And don't think to include it in my prayer. My wife is, is my balance to that. I'm frustrated about something, and she says, Have you prayed? Sometimes that phrase is one of those things that just cuts you deep because you realize she's absolutely right. And I was just looking for my key. There's a, a scripture that Paul says, and he says it, he's already said it to the Ephesians. He said it to the to the Colossians, and then he says it to us uh, through First uh, Thessalonians chapter five, verse seventeen. We are to pray without ceasing. How is that possible? I look at Paul. And I was reading some things that, that were an indication of how difficult when Paul was writing to the Colossians, for instance he was chained, literally, to a prison guard. The temple guard, or the, not the palace guard of, of the emperor. The, you know, and and uh, the, the interesting thing was is that he looked at that as captive audience. And he actually he said that the, the whole guard of, of, of the palace has heard the gospel, and some of them have come to know Christ. But I, I'm thinking, did, 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 did Paul? He says he's praying for all these people. He's talking to other people. He's dictate the writing stuff all this time. There's a guard standing there. And I, you know, it's one of those things. You know, where did he find? It? And, the, and the idea of praying without ceasing, uh, and, and you realize it's it's an attitude. It's a way of thinking where you are walking within the framework of being ready to pray at any moment, at any time for anything that God brings across your mind. You're driving down the street and you pass somebody's house that, that you know and for some reason you think of them. Uh, my, my, the pastor that I went to when I was in San Jose, he called them bullet prayers. You just lift them up and say, Lord, bless them, or meet their need today. Sometimes you have more specifics to deal with and you know uh, some of the things that you, that you might be praying for. But all of it was the idea of coming first to God and acknowledging him through the day. At some point, at some time, he is the Holy One. He is the, 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 the one who is almighty. He is the one who is sovereign over all things. And we acknowledge Him. Hallowed be thy name. We, we acknowledge that we want the things of, of, of His kingdom to be accomplished here. His purpose, His will to be accomplished. And somebody says, well, it's going to be accomplished. And I said, yeah, but I get to be a part of it in prayer. think of this in a sense of, of, of again, this idea of being a, uh, a tree. Finishing up Psalm 1. A man who is blessed, in the, uh, he doesn't take his counsel from the wicked. He's not standing in the way of sinners. He's not sitting where the scoffers sit. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. Here we go again without ceasing. So I'm to pray without ceasing. I'm to meditate on the Word of, the, of God without ceasing. How do I do this? And again, it can only become the way of an attitude of the Holy Spirit working in me. And by the way, He's capable. And you know what? If I don't know how to pray, but I know there's a need for it, He'll still work through me. Romans Chapter 8 says that He will work through my prayers. E- even when I don't know how to pray, He intercedes on my behalf. This results into me being a, a, a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. All that it does, is pro- it prospers. It, it pleases God. And it's an interesting thing because the absolute counter to this. The wicked are not so. In certain stead. The world is not like that. It's not like that with the world. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked, the world, will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It's a pretty overwhelming picture. But he's called us into his kingdom and his desire is that we not listen to the world but listen to him. Seek his wisdom. Seek his understanding. Seek his counsel. And his desire is to nourish us as if we were a tree planted by a stream. His stream of water. His stream of living water. That we might yield our fruit. And it's time. I just think of a a kind of an open prayer. thought. Lord, thank you for delivering us from darkness. You've transferred us to the kingdom of God for redemption and forgiveness of sin. That's the completion, by the way, of of the verses in in Colossians chapter uh, 1 there that I started on. We are delivered from darkness and, and transferred to the kingdom of God. Isn't that an amazing picture? God has delivered us from what we deserve, the darkness, and he's transferred us. He's, he's changed the, the setting. He's changed our location. I'm no longer a part of the kingdom of darkness. I am now a part of the kingdom of God. He is in the process of, of growing in me, lighting up my heart, and and drawing me close to Him. And so I guess for me, I'm just saying, Lord, I want to be a tree planted by Your stream. I'd ask the uh, ushers to come uh, for communion today. Uh, ask that you would uh, hold the emblems until we've all been served, and we'll share it together.